Hey everybody, welcome back to the Contiki Podcast, the place to get double feature film recommendations from some of your favorite artists, musicians, and filmmakers. I am your host, Eric Mahoney, back from a little late summer hiatus. Nice to be here, and again, talking to some of my favorite artists about movies. On the program today, incredibly excited to have on vocalist and actor David Yao. David is among my absolute favorite performers of all time, fronting bands like Scratch Acid and The Jesus Lizard, and most recently touring as the vocalist for the band Flipper. If you got to catch that tour, that was very cool. Um, You know, I, I guess I could sum it up most succinctly like this. There are two people, you know, in this world that embody everything that I love and want to see from a person fronting a band. And those two people are Iggy Pop and today's guest, David Yao. David is also an actor and appeared in a wonderful film um, a few years back titled I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore uh, that I believe is a Netflix original and is still streaming. Uh, stars former Contiki guest Melanie Linsky as well. Um, he's a true original and it was great to speak with him again. So uh, you know, let's just get down to it. Um, this is my conversation and film recommendations from David Yao. Mr. Yao. Mr. Mahon. What's happening, man? Um, I'm sitting here uh, in front of the computer. So what's been going on, man? Have you been, have you been at your home throughout this, this whole chaotic 2020 experience? Or have you been out in the, these great United States of ours? Or what, what, what have you been up to? No, I've been, I've, I've been at home. I got laid off from my job on March 27th. And, um... Haven't really gone anywhere. We've been to the grocery store and the hardware store, and there's been a couple times I went to pick up some food that people made, and we paid them for it, and you know, but that's pretty much it. It's it's been at home. How's that fair with you? Um, I don't mind not going to work if I. <laughs> um, I mean, I love my job. You know, I just played in Photoshop all day. Um, so that's pretty cool, but I don't I don't mind getting up and going to work. Um, I've really enjoyed doing a bunch of projects around the house and doing some gardening, doing a lot of cooking, um, you know, watching the occasional movie and so on and so forth. If I ignore the nightmare that's going on outside of my little our little bubble here, um, life is fine. And have, were you cooking before this? Like, was that something that you enjoyed doing? Or is this a, like a, a hobby that you refined once you were kind of, you know, confined to your home? No, I've been, I've been cooking for a long time. I've had more chef jobs than any other. I worked at a, um, several restaurants in Austin back in the old days. And then um, I was a chef at two places in Chicago. And then after that, it was all music or Photoshop. Um, well, thanks for being on, man. Thanks for taking time out. Uh, it's been a while since we connected, so it's good to good to chat. And um, ha- have you ha- have you been doing any um, any acting? I mean, I know you know firsthand. This has kind of put the kibosh on a lot of productions that I was involved in. But is that something that you um, you're still actively exploring, or is that is that been such a minimal amount of work out there happening right now that it's not really going on? Well, that's that's what I want to do. That's what I enjoy the most. Um, right now, there's really there. I don't think there's really anything going on. There are a few scripts that I've got, 
So, but yeah, I don't, I don't think there's really anything going on, especially for someone like me right now. I think there are probably some big highfalutin productions, you know, doing weird things that are hopefully safe, but nothing that I know of. Yeah, that's that's kind of my take on it too. I think yeah, I think there's a couple. If it's it's just so cost prohibitive to do anything that's you know safe and it's still even not 100 percent safe, but I think you know safe safe ish. Um, but yeah, I had on Melanie Linsky, who you worked with a while back. She's great. I love her. Yeah, work. yeah, she's amazing. We have a, um, all the people. The um, much of the cast of I don't feel at home in this world anymore. Um, we have a um, messaging thread, and every day it's just chock full of stuff from Robert and Macon and Jane and Devin and Christine and Melanie and me. And it's nice. We we have an ongoing community from that movie. Oh, that's really cool. That that's kind of rare. I mean, that you kind of work together with people and make friends, and then everyone's kind of flies off to the wind that's true man exactly most in my experience you know you you work on a project and when it's done you say hey man it's been great working with you you know blah 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 blah. we got to keep in touch and you never do and and with i don't feel a homeless world anymore i've made certainly six or more actual friends that i consider friends you know elijah included in that you know so it's it's a that project was one of the best. Melanie still says it's the best project she ever worked on. I think it's the most fun I ever had doing anything like that. Um, everybody loved it. It's a great movie, and it was really good to see her in, as a lead, too, because I've seen her so often in supporting roles, which she like totally knocks out of the park. But she has enough to definitely carry films, and it was really nice to see her be given that opportunity with such a great script and that, that was a fun movie I, I loved watching that i should actually go back and rewatch it I, I think i only saw it the one time but it's it's really good it's really good i, I thought it was fantastic definitely watch it again yeah it's it's it there's all the things you pick up on well let's let's get into your double feature picks man like what so uh you know at home if you were going to watch two movies back to back what's your recommendation and then let's talk about why you picked those a little bit um, well, I chose, um, alphabetically, I chose Burn After Reading and Let the Right One In, only because those were, they just popped in my head at first. And uh, for comedy, I was going to do one of them, and uh, the song remains the same, because I thought that would be pretty funny, but um, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going <laughs> to. Uh, yeah, Help, and the song remains the same. Uh, uh, maybe we'll do a part two with you, and then we'll then we'll go we'll go down that road. The music films. Well, so so the, both these came out in two thousand eight. I, I saw both of these. I let the right one in. Is is, is I mean, I'm, I'm a huge Coen Brothers fan. I like Burn After Reading. We'll get into that in a second. Um, let the right one in for me was like a spectacular film that has stuck with me since I've seen it. For anyone that doesn't know, it's a, it's a Swedish film that was remade, I believe. I didn't see the remake because I didn't see the point of, of watching something done over again that was sort of perfect. I'm, well, well, honestly, you know, I mean, I'm not a fan of when Americans remake foreign films, but the remake of Let the Right One In was was respectable. Oh, okay. Um, That's good to know. Really, very much so. And there's, 
And there's one scene in it that is really, really terrific. That it's not in the book nor in the movie, but it's really, really good—a sort of car wreck scene. It's amazing. Okay, maybe I'll check so, it out. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I wouldn't poo-poo the American version. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. I, I, I can, I can get down with that. So let, let's let's talk about the original Swedish version, though, a bit. Why don't you? Can you just give us a quick synopsis for anyone that hasn't seen it? Um, it's a vampire film with, with younger kids. Well, um, when I first saw it, I was so taken by it, I, I went and bought the book. And I don't read very much, but the book um, is, I'm assuming like many books turned into movies, um, a great deal more detailed and in-depth. But it's about a, um, uh, a boy in uh, high school um, who is... Uh, lonely and has a weird situation with his parents. His parents are, are, are um, separated or divorced, and his uh, father is a homosexual, and um, he gets picked on a lot by, at these, by these bullies at school. And then uh, one day in their little sort of apartment complex they live in, this man and his uh, daughter move into the apartment, and um, uh, the boy, who's, fuck, I forgot his name. I can't remember his name now. Oscar. Um, um, Oscar makes friends with his little girl. And um, they develop this odd little friendship and stuff. And um, he makes some really uh, surprising discoveries about her. And uh, they develop an, uh, a relationship. Um, I don't want to say a whole lot more but there's a there are um some little plot twists and little details throughout it that are just incredible like um okay listeners sorry the little girl is we find out she's a vampire and we don't know how old she is she looks like she's 12 but we don't know how old she really is and uh it's just an amazing movie and uh there's there's not i've never seen another one like it matter of fact um real quick um I was in uh, the singing group, and we were and we were doing some shows in Europe, and uh, we got to England early one morning, and the bass player and I were walking around London, and I was telling him about Let the Right One In, and at one point he paused to, to do a text, and I looked up, and we were standing in front of a theater that was showing Let the Right One In in 15 minutes. <laughs> and, uh, no way! So I was... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was afraid that I had overhyped it, and I was afraid that David was going to go, man, you really overhyped this movie. And we watched it and came outside. <laughs> David said, that was jaw-droppingly great. It's so fucking good, Pretty man. Pretty good review. It's so good. And, and, yeah. and, and, and it's, this, it's this, for me, it's like this really wonderful mix of, of the tenderness between the two kids that are obviously these outcasts, one because she's a vampire and the other one because he's just sort of been ostracized from the community. And this sort of just brutal gore of her, you know, insatiable need to to murder in order to stay alive. <laughs> you know, it's it's a it's a great mixture. And it also has this like the, the fact that they're kids too is also an interesting, you know, um, the sweetness between these kids surrounded by this blood is is really, really compelling to me. Yeah, it's it's great. It's um, 
I don't know how many times I've seen times I've seen it. Probably, I'd guess maybe twelve or thirteen. Also, for me, and I mean, you know, I, I, it's twelve years old. I, I I don't feel like we're we're being terribly obnoxious by by talking about it. But that that pool scene at the end, where essentially, you know, she's she kind of saves his life from these bullies that are that are that are basically drowning him is one of the greatest things I've seen in the last like 20 years. Like I, I love that sequence so much. It's, it's just the way that they did that and the way that they reveal what's how you, how you don't see the action. Uh, you know, it's, it's basically like he, you see him being held underwater by a bully and then you start to see some very strange things happening. And then the arm that's holding his head down is becomes severed and just kind of floats to the water like, like a, jaws kind of you know scene it's 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 so creative and interesting and and then it just goes to a wide shot of the carnage and just kind of sits there for a long time afterwards like that's that sequence to me is is something i'll always remember yeah it's it's so tasteful i mean it's it's not scary yeah none of none of it is really what you would call frightening um but yeah, and, and there's and there's so many subtleties. Like um, when the outside outside the hospital, when she goes in there to visit her um, <coughs> dad, and you see this, the nurse has run outside, and in the background you see you barely barely see her climbing up the wall, like you know, fast, like three stories in five seconds. Um, Stuff like that. There's just tons of little, little things. It's yeah. It's one of the best movies ever made. It's so good. Yeah, you're right. The subtlety of it is is what's so fascinating. Yeah, there's just yeah. There's little things that that are that are more creepy. It's not terrifying. And I always just think of just just the red blood and and the white. Like that boy is like so pale, and you know the the landscape is always snow covered, and it's just always this red this red and white you know kind of sequence that run through it. And you know those kids are so remarkably good. I figured that they had they had to be friends of the directors that he's known forever. But they went through like I think they looked at over a thousand people before they got that girl. That makes sense. I mean the cat, yeah, the casting spot on. Uh, they they're both fantastic. They're both really great. And and the end, the last scene. I guess I won't say the last scene, but the last scene is really satisfying. I think too. In the in the book, like I said, it's. It's um, a lot more sort of perverted and sort of um, uh, personal. Like Oscar has a he's a he's a bedwetter and he's got this. Uh, he tears out a piece of his mattress and he um, makes it into sort of a cup that he wears around his penis all day, so that when he wets his pants, nobody can know. And that's not in the movie, but it's in the book. And there's tons of that kind of. Um, just weird, uh, unfortunate circumstances in the in the book that aren't in the movie. Oh, that's interesting. I should read the. Okay, I, I think I'm sold on the book and the American version now because the more I've, I, I saw this that year, and I think I've seen it one other time. But but the more we talk about it, the more I kind of get amped up on this. I should. I should <laughs> yeah, yeah, I yeah. Should, I should I'll experience watch it tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I should experience this in in the literary form, and and I'll check out the remake as well. Um, well, yeah, the remake I think is called "Let Me In." Yes, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. 
Uh, well, let's shift gears. Uh, I, I, I like I like I like doing um, this, this. This is a good pairing from like the exact same year, but like kind of a light and dark take because the the Burn After Reading Coen Brothers film is sort of the polar opposite in terms of tone. Yeah. Um, what 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 about what about this one? You know, resonated with you, or, or, or why did this film pop into your head so quickly? Well, I'm a really big, I'm a big Coen Brothers fan. I mean, there's, they can almost do no wrong in my book. But um, this one in particular, it's just perfect. It's so funny. It's so clever. Everybody in it does 110% of magnificent acting. Brad Pitt is unbelievable. John Malkovich is unbelievable. They're just so good. And the writing is hilarious. Um... The circumstances. I mean, so many times the Coen Brothers, so so many themes of theirs are just people, dumb people making bad decisions, and this is full of it. You know, it's a very elevated Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's just hilarious. I mean, I, I quote it all the time. It is good. So basically, you think you think that's a swim. <laughs> I was going to say that, that, yeah. that the, there's a car scene be- between yeah, Brad Pitt and John Malkovich. So basically, I guess we should back up uh, just in case anyone doesn't know. Basically, yeah. what, what happens is Malkovich is a sort of disgruntled CIA agent. Uh, correct me if I'm, if I'm missing any of those two because it's been a while since I've seen it. But okay. uh, he, he's a disgruntled CIA agent. He's writing his memoir as sort of a get back, I think. Is that right? Yeah. And it's on a CD-ROM or, or, or floppy disk or something, and it falls into the hands of um, Brad Pitt and Francis McDormand, who are uh, at work at this um, like a gym together, right? And are, are not the brightest pair. And, and Francis McDormand wants desperately to have a uh, breast augmentation and. Um, they decide that th- what they have found is like some sort of top secret government information and they're going to blackmail Malkovich uh, to get money for the, the surgery and, and for whatever else uh, for them, I think is, that's my, that's my take on it. Is that right? Is that, is that sort of uh, Yeah, right? yeah, that, that's, that's plenty accurate, yeah. Yeah, so, so, they, call, so um, <laughs> they decide to call up John Malkovich and confront him with this, and they're so stupid. They don't even know what they have, and they're going like, you know, is this Osborne? We've got your shit, and and they think they're just being so, you know, undercover and sneaky and everything. And Cox is, I mean, throughout the movie, he's going, "What the fuck?" <laughs> and um, he's he's going, <laughs> he just goes off on him on the phone, and it's spectacular. It's just so great. And doesn't Brad Pitt call himself Mr. Black or something? Isn't 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 that his like code code name? Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I think so. Yeah, because that car scene between the, when they're 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 meeting in a car is epic, and Brad Pitt is just so stupid, and Malkovich is just so put out, and he ends up punching him in the face, and you know, no materials are exchanged. It's just such a great great scene. Yeah, it, it, it's. It, I love it. Osborne Cox. And you, I take it, are Mr. Black? Yes, I am. All right, let me explain something to you, Mr. Black. You know who I am, I know who you are. Perhaps. 
appearances can be deceptive. Yeah. What you're engaged in is blackmail. That is a felony, that's for starters. Secondly, the unauthorized dissemination of classified material is a federal crime. If you ever carried out your proposed threat, you would experience such a shitstorm of consequences, my friend, that your empty little head would be spinning faster than the wheels of your Schwinn bicycle back there. You think that's a Schwinn? No! Give me the fucking floppy or the CD or whatever the fuck it is as soon as I'll you give us the life. money, dickwad! You fuck! Give it to me, fuck! You fucker! And the cast is, is crazy good. Yes, yeah, so it's George Clooney, Francis McDormand, Brad Pitt, John Malkovich, Tilda Swinton, Richard Jenkins, J.K. Simmons. Yeah, it's 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 phenomenal. And it's so funny and it's so sort of sadly American in its, you know, idiocy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, boy, are we a bunch of fucking morons. Like, like I've been looking for jobs recently online and I would say... Seven out of ten of the um, job descriptions, every third word is misspelled. Yeah, it's just absurd. It's just absurd. Okay, real quick, I want to say, when you, po when you pointed out the differences between my two choices, I sort of wanted to change. Uh, and instead of doing Burn After Reading, do another one that is another foreign film that is kind of down the similar alley um, as Let the Right One In. Um, Dog Tooth. Have you seen Dog Tooth? Let's do it. I fucking love Dog Tooth, and I love Yorgos Lanthimos, and uh, I, I really, really, really deeply respect his work. And Dog Tooth, in particular, is like one of my favorite films of all time. So, so I'm happy to dive into that one if you want. Yeah, it's uh, like like Let the Right One In. I've never seen another movie that uh, that you can really compare it to. But and I don't remember who turned me on or how we. Uh, got to watching it, but you know, from the beginning, I was going, "What the fuck is going on here?" And um, it's just, it's, it's just an incredible idea. I mean, I love that it must have been so much fun to to write that thing and um, and come up with the convoluted, sick ass, weird, disturbing ideas that are in it, it's, um, it's just tremendous. Tell us the plot briefly for, I mean, this is probably a lesser known title, so, so fill people in on just in general what, what the story is. There's a family that, are they Greek? I think they're Greek. Yes. I, I'm not sure if that really comes into play or not, but there's a family, um, a mother and father, and their three kids, and their kids are kind of like uh, late teens or so, two girls and a boy, and... Um, their, the property of their house is enclosed with like, uh, you know, uh, bushes and a wall and stuff. And um, the parents have made the children, the kids believe that there is no, no world outside their property. Um, like when the only clues they have that there is anything out there is when airplanes go flying overhead. And what the what the the dad will um, like when they see kids see the airplane, he'll throw a little toy airplane out in the yard, 
and tell the kids that, oh, look, it, it landed over there. Um, and it's just so fucking with their minds. And um, that airplane thing is incredible to me. Like that, that, that scene to me also sticks out. Like when I tell people about it, I'm always like, they don't, they don't understand that it's so far away that it looks like the size of it. They don't, under, they don't understand like the perception that a plane that far off in the sky isn't the size of a toy. Yeah. Because when you look at it, it looks like it's about that big. I don't remember exactly when the one girl, she did, she starts getting, um, the, the older girl starts getting an inkling that, uh, that there's more to the world than just their property. Um, yeah, and I don't want to spoil the end, but <laughs> once again, a, a, um, a very compelling finish. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean... And they're so insulated that they've created their own language. I mean, the 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 title of the film is also is is based on Dogtooth is based on a you know a made up thing. I, I believe it's like I believe the father says to the kids, "When you lose your dog tooth, you'll be able to go out into the world." And it's like their eye tooth or something like that. But they don't know that like their adult teeth will never fall out, um, so they will never leave. Right there, there's a bunch of things like that. that the, the, yeah, where they um, are calling things by the wrong name. It's it's like that Monty Python skit where, you know, um, the, my hovercraft is full of eels. Well, that's not really what it means. But, um, yeah, it's all uh, the wrong word for particular things. Yeah, and, or completely and, invented. And, or, or, and don't they sit around one night and listen to, like, is it Sinatra or something? They listen to like a Sinatra record and he tells them that's that's their uncle singing or that is is that right? Am I yes, that yes. I, yeah, I got to watch that again. There's so he just misdirects them in so many ways. It's so uh, perverted and mentally perverted like that. It's crazy, man. That that that's a that's 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 truly a really really great film. I love that. I love that pairing. That's good. Um, well, good talking to you again, man. My pleasure, Eric. And uh, yeah, take care and be uh, safe in this bizarre fucking world we live in. Yeah, I will, man. I'm I'm keeping my fingers crossed for for this fall and the election and stuff. I'm, that's what's kind of concerning me the most. It just seems like a huge, huge volatile situation that's on the horizon here. In addition to all the other weirdness, so yeah. I don't know, man. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Be safe. I'm glad to hear you're you're hunkered down and you're doing well, man. And um, all, all all my best to you guys. And um, would love to keep in touch with you. Absolutely, we'll do, Eric. All right, man. Take care of yourself. So long. So that's the show. I want to again thank my guest David Yao for being on the program. Again, his picks were Let the Right One In and Burn After Reading with a side order of Dogtooth. Come on back next week for an all-new episode and stay up to speed with bonus material and animations on our Instagram, at Contiki Podcast, and on Facebook, backslash Contiki Podcast. Although, frankly, we should all be off of social media altogether, but that's a longer conversation for another day. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed it, subscribe and rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and tell a friend. Until next week, be kind to one another, hang tough, watch some movies, and we'll see you soon. <laughs>